With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome on in to the batting order beat episode 471. Brandon was not in the mood to make up a title before we jump into today's show, but hopefully something will come around before the end of the show, although just not up to making a title today. Feels like a good title. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. The way you phrase that make it make, makes it seem like I'm the one that makes the titles. Um, I'm not, so... Oh, did it? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, in a way, in a way, it's okay. Um... You know, LJ doing good. Uh, a lot of baseball to cover, lots to talk about. And, of course, uh, might as well say it now, we have our live stream tomorrow, LJ. Absolutely. We're going to have our live stream. We will be joined by our buddy Graham Wallace, a Toronto Blue Jays content creator, writes for a couple different sites now. So it's going to be very exciting to see him. We haven't talked to him in a very long time. Actually, I think it might have been – all-Star break two years ago was the last time, or not All-Star break, right before the trade deadline. Two mm. years ago was the last time we talked to him. So it'll definitely be good to get to see him again and chat with him again. And all I was trying to say there before was I'm lacking a little bit of the creative juices right now, um, hoping to get things going here. Let's start things up. Now up to bat, it's our injury report. Jeffrey Springs is on his way to the IL already there and going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery, obviously to prepare to repair his elbow. That's going to put him out for the season. Brandon, could this have come at a worse time for Jeffrey Springs? LJ, as our title says here, and uh, Jeffrey Spring or Springs, whatever you want to call him. There we go. Jeffrey Springs. Um, yeah, really, really bad timing. And know we always make the joke about Tampa and they find these pitchers out of nowhere but he legitimately was like one of the best left-handed pitchers I think in the league you had contention where he had been so strong to start off and also last year really did show um a lot it's just so brutal for him because here's a guy on a team that desperately could use starting pitching, uh, you know, when you look up and down that rotation, 
Yeah, sure. They've pitched really well so far, and Drew, Drew Rasmussen is good, and Shane McClanahan, we know what he can do, but you're still down uh, Tyler Glass now. Uh, Zach Eflin, who a couple weeks ago we talked about his injury, he's hurt. And now Jeffrey Springs is hurt, and this rotation is – you know, not in good shape now. Obviously, like I just said, Shane McClanahan, he's he's really good, and we all know that. Uh, but then the other guys, at least according to Fangraph's roster resource, Taj Bradley, uh, who is unproven, still very young, is a top 40 prospect in the MLB, so certainly some potential for him. I would say very, very exciting start, though, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Taj, Taj Bradley – very exciting, but also you have to, uh, you know, kind of lessen your expectations when dealing with 22 year old starting pitchers. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, who has been very good, and LJ, honestly, you know, we uh, we talk about that a Willie Adamas trade a lot, but I I really think that Rasmussen could turn out to be the big piece in that deal uh, for Tampa. And then Josh Fleming, who is a serviceable starter. He certainly had uh, his bright spots here and there. But, yes, could it have happened at a worse time? I don't – it's it's certainly very bad timing, just given some of these other circumstances going on with Tampa right now. I'm going to explain it from a Tampa standpoint. I can do it in eight words. Shane Boz, Zach Eflin, Tyler Glass now, Jeffrey Springs. Those are four more than qualified starters that are currently sitting on your IL for varying points of time. And so it just makes everything more messy. It makes things messy now as you're dealing with a lot of unproven starting pitching guys that you're probably not going to want to take all of them very deep. I think realistically, you know, Rasmussen to start the year has certainly earned a third trip around the bend, but Brad Bradley McClanahan, I think you probably do take long Fleming and whoever comes up to take this fifth spot, or if they just go bullpen with that last spot, that's going to put more and more high leverage innings and stress onto a bullpen in April and May. And so that makes things messy already. And then you add in the fact that at least, yeah, Eflin, Glasnow, Eflin and Glasnow are both going to be back at some point here. So you get that return, but it's managing the return. It's <clears throat> figuring out what you're doing with the roster and with the starters that are currently there once those guys are ready to come back. And so all of it becomes a headache for them. As for Jeffrey Springs, I really feel for this guy in the situation because – here you go with three fantastic starts coming off of two great seasons in Tampa. Honestly, we should be talking about more about how underrated this last season, 2022, from Jeffrey Springs was. A 2.46 ERA over 135 innings. This guy clearly has it, and he was ready to show the entire league this year. And now he's got that taken away. 30 years old. I'm certainly not going to say his career is done, but him him building up to that reputation is going to be a lot harder coming back and trying to reestablish himself as 
a top pitcher in the league. Getting himself back in rhythm at 31 is going to be a difficult challenge, as it is for most people at any age. But then trying to reestablish yourself as one of the top pitchers of the league when you're already over 30, that's not a position you want to be in when you could have hit the ground running this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with and that. It, and it also just feels, you know, it feels odd that we're basically having the same conversation that we talked about last week with Zach Eflin right now. Where yeah. Yeah. we don't want to see this guy miss time because he's in this critical development stage. Jeffrey Springs is a little bit past that point, but now is the part where he reaps the reward of that development stage. That's why it doesn't feel fair right now. Let me just say, if you told me, like, if, if, if there was gun to my head and I had to say whether I thought Jeffrey Springs or Zach Eflin was older, I, I would have never picked Jeffrey Springs. Um, it just, I, I just, I, I don't know if that would have happened. And LJ, this is a guy who was a Red Sox during the 2020 season. I'm sure, I, I know you don't really want to think about the 2020 Red Sox season with good old. It was a old, tough watch, including Jeffrey Springs. I'll be very. Ron Renicky. <laughs> Ronald. Ronald Renicky. Brandon, we're, we're, with our injury report, were there any other injuries you wanted to bring up? You know, Giancarlo Stanton out for six weeks. Um, I did this for therapy for you. I, I could tell you didn't want to, but I think you need it. I, I, there's there's just nothing to say. Um, we are currently operating with no bench, essentially. Um, it, it's, yeah, you know, it, it, it's pretty rough right now. We're letting Aaron Hicks get or some run out there. Um, with a nice uh, 125 slugging percentage. So, um, yeah, it's not good as for now um, with Stanton out for six weeks. Carlos Rodon, LJ, um, you know, a report comes out yesterday that he's having some trouble with his back now um, and will be delayed coming back, even though the, the injury he initially suffered was strained forearm. So he's got two injuries, and we have not even seen this guy pitch yet. This is the Jacoby Ellsbury of pitchers. No, I, I will. Is it time to spin the hot take machine here? No, no, please no. And I already know you're going to title this segment, Is Carlos Rodon the Jacoby Ellsbury of pitchers? Absolutely not. No, that is not happening, LJ. I physically, mentally, any kind of Lee cannot take this, LJ. I just, here we go. Is Carlos Rodon the Jacoby Ellsbury of pitchers? No, no. Uh, I'm just saying there is more evidence at this point to prove me right in the fact that he has not played a game for the New York Yankees on this massive contract than there is to prove your point that he isn't. Well, um, when talking about the Yankees and the uh, pitchers that are down for them, you're talking Frankie Montas, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Scott F. Ross, Tommy Canely, Jonathan Loisega, Lou Trevino. (laughs) I hate to to put, like, insult on you, Brandon, but I honestly feel – 
vindicated with how horribly the Frankie Montage era has gone. Because if you remember, I was all over this. Frankie Montas as a pitcher. Like, the value was never there for any of them. At any any point, any team. Otherwise, why wasn't he gone to begin the season when they first started shopping? Like, they clearly weren't going to get what they thought they were going to get because everyone knows exactly what this guy is. Carlos Rodon is a very different guy. Carlos Rodon is that all-star caliber pitcher. Oh, kind of like Jacoby Ellsbury. But that's going to wrap up our injury report today, and we take another segment here into the AL East. Brandon, we've seen a lot of fun coming out of a certain dugout here, and that being the Baltimore Orioles. Are the Baltimore Orioles an all-time vibe? Sure. I, I did see something about the Orioles. What exactly have they been doing in their in their dugout? Um, particularly the thing that kind of sparked this was they've got a new extra base hit celebration. The Orioles have now taken to becoming human fountains. Okay. I did see that. that. Everybody gets up to the front of the uh, dugout, takes a sip of water and then does a fountain arc spitting out the water into the dirt in front of the dugout. Again, that was kind of the first thing that I saw that made me think, all right, this team just kind of has that energy. And then to further back that up, I started just kind of going through this team. And I'm like, you know, who on this team, A, do you find to be unlikable? I can't find anyone. Can you? Honestly, no. I mean, it's just so many young players that I I don't have an opinion on. Many. Well, that 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 honestly plays very well into this point because it's a bunch of kids, and that kind of very much feeds into this vibe, into this overall you know persona that they've created of just a fun place to play and a team that you want wants to watch if you're going to have a good time because if they're rolling, you're going to feel happy. I mean, Anthony Santander, a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, we don't need to talk about Cedric Mullins and Adley Rutschman because they're just exciting players that overall I've found, you know, is it fair to say both of them have very good um, personalities out on the, like, while they're playing? Because a lot of guys, you know, you get the angry, you get the hyper-focused guys who are just, like, you know, all locked in. When these guys get locked in, it almost feels like you can see them having fun. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Adley Rutschman is... He is if if he played in the 1980s, I think he would be one of the most popular players. It just everything he does is likable to, I think, both our generation and an older generation for the older. I mean, we don't have to explain much why why he's he's likable to us because we we just watch him and he's just very has a great aura around him. But for like the older podcast. Yeah, for the more important thing than the eye test, right? For the older generation, you're looking at a switch hitting catcher, which I don't know how many of those are, are around. Uh, he's the only one I can think of. Uh, who who rakes and is really good behind the plate, was really good in college. Uh, I think one call won a college world series, won a uh. MVP of the College World Series. He's 
a very accomplished baseball player. First overall pick in the draft in 2019, tore it up in the minors, and so far this year has just been tearing it up in the majors. So extremely likable player who, uh, like LJ said, this this team is fun, and it sucks because I wish they weren't in the AL East because I hate seeing other AL East teams have fun, LJ. It's interesting, though, for me, because as a Patriots fan, there's this certain um, understanding that I really I desperately try to fight with the Buffalo Bills, where everyone just finds the Buffalo Bills to be kind of cute. Like, oh, look, they're having fun. Oh, so look at Josh Allen do do the little runny thing and then he's going to throw it 50 yards down the field. Look at Josh Allen, man. Exactly. Everybody roots for the Bills success just because it feels like it's like a toddler having like or a good run of luck. Like it doesn't get taken. The bills don't get taken seriously in Boston. And so I kind of liken it to this where I just kind of, you know, I, I want to take the Orioles seriously, but at the same time, I'm kind of rooting for them because they're just, they're not successful. And I don't feel like they're going to actually be a threat when the Sox are a threat is kind mm. of the, you know, spot in my head i know deep down that that probably isn't true that this group you know especially as we get more and more of these guys to see success let's remind ourselves you know cedric mullins has a lot of good years left ahead of him especially as he's trying to break into this new world i think arguably offensively his numbers have kind of been low for what i would expect out of him to start the year i mean 250 batting average isn't really like him he he continues to at least you know heat up a little bit into the summer, he's already getting stolen bases on 11% of his plate appearances. Like The after- Orioles, LJ, the, the stolen base numbers on this team, they just run wild. I mean, Mullins with nine, Jorge Mateo, who I think led the majors in steals last year, he's got eight. Uh, Adam Frazier, you know, this was a guy in 2021 who LJ and I do, uh, I'm, I'm sure you remember a little bit he was hitting like 360 or 370 at a crazy high batting average and his expected stats were were terrible it was like how long is this gonna continue for and it continued right up until the point he went to san diego right yeah (laughs) um but this is a guy that just fits in this team to 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 hit him fifth yeah he's probably the uh, you know, you can make an argument that he might not even be a top six hitter on this team, but it's just a guy that fits. He plays good defense. He can steal some bases too. LJ, you named this segment. Are the Orioles an all-time vibe? Yes. Yes, they are. And they're going to become the team that people kind of latch on to. And it's like the last five years, this franchise has, other than 2022, has been pitiful. There's been nothing to like or watch about this team. And now they're putting it all together. You go out, you sign Kyle Gibson. You have Grayson Rodriguez, who, yeah, he struggled to start so far, but this is one of the premier pitching prospects in the MLB. You have a nasty bullpen. Felix Bautista's splitter could arguably be one of the best pitches in baseball. John Means will be coming back at some point. Let's not forget, he was one batter away from a no-hit or from a perfect game back in 2021. He ended up with the no-hitter. 
he is this team lj you're absolutely right you hit it just exactly all-time vibe yeah and again i don't know when the last time we've seen a team like this i mean maybe seattle last year i don't even think they matched this vibe that was more julio than anything i felt like dragging that up for me like I, i would say we're going back a decade to find a team that i think is playing such fun baseball i mean the last one that comes to my mind would be maybe you know 13 socks 10 11 giants Mm. okay those are the last teams i can think of with this type of vibe that's not to say they're going to necessarily win a world series but this is a memorable fun kind of team but we've talked a lot about youth here and i think that segues very well into our next segment here now up to bat Hunter Green just signed a big extension, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, seven years, six years. Five years with, five years with a team option is what it is. Yes. Uh, five years, $72 million, buys out his ARB years. Brandon, is Hunter Green worth the buyout? I think the way that they structured the contract, yes. It's backloaded. Uh, we know that Cincinnati is not very keen on – spending a lot of money on their payroll which is fine and do you want to hear my thoughts on that it's not happening today just go back to monday's show um yeah i like the way that they did this deal six-year deal covers the 2023 through 2028 seasons and then the club option for 2029 53 million guaranteed but some escalators award bonuses could push this up to $96.2 million. Uh, Here's how it's structured. $1 million salary in 2023, jumps up to 3 million, then 6 million, then 8 million in 2026, 15 in 2027, 16 in 2028, and then a $21 million club option with a $2 million buyout for 2029. With the potential, I mean, this is just, he's still only 23. I mean, I remember getting a Sports Illustrated cover of Hunter Green when I was, wow, that must have been 2019 maybe. Uh, And it was when he was in high school. Um, Or no, it might have been before that because he was drafted in 2017, I realize now. Might have been before that. Um, But just the raw stuff that he has, LJ. I mean, no pitcher is going out there and throwing 30 pitches over 100 miles an hour in in an outing and has looked pretty good to start the year. Walk numbers are down, which was the big thing for him. Can he keep the walks down and hit the uh, bat finder, as we like to call it, LJ? He's done... His favorite pitch is the bat finder. Yeah, he's done a good job at not uh not not throwing the the bat finder, uh, I want to say so far this year. But um yeah, LJ, what do you think? Do you do you like the way that it's backloaded and you know they save a lot of money on the guarantee side and it's more up to Hunter Green to earn the rest of it, or you know, how do you feel? I think this is a great this is a great extension and a good idea. It's always a good idea operating under one assumption that this guy's going to be good. Mm. 
That's where I struggle on this because I am not nearly as high on Hunter Green the and the bat finder he throws as you are. I'm going to bring up a couple things here entirely statistic or mostly statistical on this. We're talking about one of the hardest throwers in the league, certainly exciting, certainly got people to show up to the ballpark for, and that's important to have those guys. But we're talking about a guy in the 99th percentile in fastball velocity, but the 24th percentile in average exit velocity and 25th percentile in hard hit percentage. Brandon, he's not that far off in terms of barrels either. So, and that's this year, not last year's numbers. So I don't think the growth has necessarily been there that we've seen to prove that he's going to, you know, add enough to his game. But at the end of the day, you know, there's that. And there's the fact that let's look at some similar pitchers based on velocity and movement. Comparable, comparatively, we're talking about Jacob deGrom this year, Garrett Cole last year, Sandy Alcantara, Spencer Strider. Those are the types of guys based on his velocity and ball movement he is similar to. Why is there such a disparity between their numbers and his numbers? When is that going to click in the mental side of things to get sharp and to you know find the put the pitches where they need to be and find those places? I'm... I'm concerned that that's not coming, especially when you look at his pitch mix so far this year. It seems like his plan to increase his odds and go from, you know, granted he's got a three five seven ERA to start this season from down from a four, but his solution has been throw the fastball more, which great. It's gonna it's gonna go by a lot of guys, but when those guys connect on it, it's gonna be a hard hit quite a bit of the time. And so I just feel like this current way that Hunter Green is set up, he's going to get caught at some point here sooner rather than later this year and have a really rough stretch. I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to pull this all together and put it together actual competitive Major League Baseball seasons. But if he can, this is a great deal. I just don't want to be sitting here watching the Cincinnati Reds desperately want to send him down in 2026 and look at all the money that's on the payroll. A few things. Like I was uh, talking about uh, with the Rays and uh, Taj Bradley, like Hunter Green is still 23, so a lot of time to develop, first of all. But I do agree that, you know, with the pitch arsenal and the – similar pitches based on velocity and movement, you're in some good company there, but you're not getting results or at least those exact results like those guys. And so it's like, where is it going wrong? Well, also on baseball savant LJ, it shows you the pitcher's batted ball profile. And then it shows you similar pitches, similar pitchers to that batted ball profile. Let me tell you, these names are not Spencer Strider, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom. This is Blake Snell, Kenley Jansen, Trevor Richards, Paul Sewell, who did have a good year last year, Trevor May. Uh, that you know, It's not the same name. So I guess my point here is, Look, we know he has the stuff. 
we know he can strike batters out, which you need to be able to do that to stay in the majors. The walks have come down, at least to start this year, which we like. It's really, how are we weighing these positives, okay, compared to the negatives? And how many negatives really is there with this guy? I feel like there's a lot, and, you know, I don't think we're going to necessarily, you know, we're not going to see the actual end of this soon, but I just don't feel like this is going well. Either way, we're going to jump ahead to our final segment of the day and get into a little bit of Cody Bellinger talk as he's had a fantastic start to this season. Brandon, is Belly back? Uh, no. No. Tell, no. tell us more. Uh, okay. He had a, I mean, yes, he's had a good start to the year. But the, his first few games were, were were not good. I mean, looking at some quick game logs here, he didn't get a hit until his fifth game of the season. But since then, he's been really good. Um, it, Cody Bellinger is going to, like, people are going to look at Cody Bellinger. Oh, man, I cannot believe I'm about to say this take and i really hope i'm wrong lj it how different is cody bellinger from orioles chris davis what how so big tall power hitting lefty who had a few really good seasons and then fell off the way that cody bellinger can prove to me that he is different is if he has a good season this year and his start is definitely there. Um, I think this might be a guy who's benefiting with no shift on baseball savant. You can see their spray chart. I see a lot of singles that would be right where uh, the guy, the, extra member of the infield, you know, when they shift them over and they put them in that kind of rover position there in the middle of the outfield. I see a lot of singles in that spot. Um, just a, and he's not striking out a lot, which, or at least lately, which is good because this is a guy that you would certainly expect to rack up those kind of numbers. The one thing that just scares me, all these stats I'm looking at, really, really good, really, really good. But the exit velocity, 27th percentile right now in average exit velocity, 25th percentile in hard hit percentage. Uh, even maximum exit velocity is only in the 50th percentile. Not saying that you necessarily need to crush the ball every single time, but I think I would like to see a little more hard hits coming off the bat. We know he's good in the field. I mean, pretty shorthanded in the field. Definitely has some value. But he's on a I need to prove myself contract because the one year uh, he's making $12.5 million this year with a, a mutual option for, for next year. He doesn't do good. The Cubs are just going to let him go, and who knows where he'll end up. Sure, he's always going to have some kind of value, but – this is a make-or-break season for Cody Bellinger, and he's definitely started off good. 
I just can't get the, the, the Chris Davis comparison out of my head. I just, I, I have such a bad feeling and I like Cody Bellinger and well, I'm actually rooting for him because I want to see him not turn into another Chris Davis. He's not going to turn into another Chris Davis. Honestly, I feel like that's again, wholly unfair because he's especially now proving a little bit of change because in my eyes, you know, what are we talking about in terms of best season? Obviously, we're going to point to the MVP season back in 2019. Certainly, you know, that's the best place to start. And has he had his troubles since then? Yes, 60 games, I'm not going to necessarily blame him for that season. But after that was not good. But what was the difference between the 2020 season and the 2019 or the 2019 and 20 seasons compared to what came after that? The strikeout percentage. His discipline at the plate. Frankly, I would think a better analysis of him comes from saying 2022 and 2021 Cody Bellinger is a lot more similar to Javier Baez in terms of just going up there and trying to mash the ball past people, whether it's because of the shift or not. You go in and you look at this guy. I'm looking at the things he can change, the things he can avoid. You can't always necessarily confirm yourself on you know, making sure you get the power hit. You can't make sure you get always the exit velocity. Those things are going to become streaky situations. You're not going to hit home runs all of the time. So, you know, we talk about this a month later, those numbers could be very, very different. But what am I encouraged by? The batting average, the expected batting average being over the 80th percentile, the strikeout percentage, a spot that he has had major issues over the last couple of years being in the bottom 20%. Now jumping up to the top at the beginning of the year and granted small sample size, but these are the mental adjustments and philosophy adjustments that made him successful. When we talk about strikeout rate, we're talking about his lowest strikeout rate of his career. The last time he, he had one lower or this close to this low was 16% in 2019. He wins the MVP that year. So I think the philosophical adjustments have been made for Cody Bellinger to be very successful this year. I think he's ready to take that step back up. I'm feeling confident on that. But that will wrap things up here on the batting order beat today. Our next show, of course, will be our live show tomorrow night with Graham Wallace. And Brandon, do you have anything else to add real quick before we head on out? No, I don't think so. Another great show. Check us out with Graham Wallace tomorrow night, of course. YouTube, uh, Twitter will be live everywhere. So the batting order beat. LJ, we're signing off. All right. You guys have a nice day.